Welcome back to Specialty Coffee Talk, the show where we talk high-quality coffee in a low-quality way. I'm your host, Philip, and today we are back with another episode. Part two, in fact, of the episode with uh, Long Miles Coffee in Burundi, Africa. Enjoy. What are the processes? What what process do you guys use? What is, I guess, what is your favorite? How many, I mean, how does that work? Do you guys have access to a lot of different ones or? Burundi traditionally has always been a washed coffee country. That's just kind of our go-to process. And essentially that's farmers bring the cherries in. We have a specific process we, we we trace all of our coffee per hill so between we have two different washing stations now and we have nine different hills so when farmers bring their cherries it gets separated for be, be that, between which hill you came from so every time we produce a coffee it's a day lot from a specific hill process of choice is fully washed and that is essentially we take those that day's cherries from that hill and send it through a McKinnon, which is the depulping machine, and it just takes the skin off the cherry, and then we ferment it overnight. And that's about a 12 to 16 hour fermentation. And then we ferment it again with clean water, so it's double fermented for another 12 hours. And then it's graded down these washing channels that removes all the mucilage and like the, the sticky fruit around that's remaining. And then we rinse the coffee for another four hours. And then we put it on pre-drying tables out of the sun for, for two days. And then we put it into direct sun for another 14 to 18 days in the sun. And so that process would be our fully washed, double fermented coffees and that to me is kind of the epitome of what a clean bright beautiful coffee is is from that process and what are the like what are the differences you're going to taste in a you know fully washed compared to a natural compared to what what are the i guess what are the differences that are going to come out in the cup um that people can't expect when they you know go buy some i think it's it's 20 14, we started experimenting with naturals. We had a, a coffee a coffee roaster from the States, Mark Bray from Airship. He came and he was helping us bring the coffees in and he had done some work in Guatemala with helping with natural process. And so we said, we, we want to do naturals. Why, why not us? Because no one else in Burundi was doing naturals. And then we thought, well, if we're doing naturals, we might as well try honey process too. I mean, I mean, we, so we went from the first year just learning how to process to the next year jumping into naturals and honey process. Again, just the naive jump in <laughs> that we do. Natural process, essentially, you're just putting your, the best harvested cherries directly into the sun and just drying it like a raisin in the sun for, you know, without getting too technical, that's what that is. And the honey process, you have different kinds of honey, but... The, the most rudimentary just understanding is just take the skin off the cherry, but leave all that sticky fruit mucilage on and put that in the sun. All these, this, so these three different methods, washed, honey, and natural, are still just giving you coffee, but the flavor is going to be, it is going to be tremendously different for each process. And I remember our first year of naturals, we did terrible 
<laughs> naturals. I, if you ask me in 2014 what naturals taste like, I'd say dirt and defects. <laughs> I, we, we actually bought back anybody, I think just about everybody who bought our naturals, we bought them back in 2014 and because it was just, we just didn't know what we were, we just, we weren't good enough at doing it. It was, it was, it's actually not as easy as just laying cherries out in the sun. And so 2015, we refined our approach. 2016, I think we finally got it right. And then this last year, this 2017, this coffee is going to land now. And I'm really, really excited about these naturals because even though Christy and I are both fully washed fans because it's just, it's sparkling and clean and bright coffees, naturals are going to be like, at their best, they're clean fruit bombs. Like, like tasting something that's a cross between uh, a Jolly Rancher, a Starburst, and and a floral tea all at once. That's, a natural at its best. And and then honey processed is is kind of kind of between the two, would you say, Christy? It's yeah. it's it does have more sweetness. I don't think the acidity is is as pronounced as a fully washed would be. And you're not getting the same body as a natural either. So so for me it's just it's just creates a, a delicate sweetness in a coffee for our honey process. So that honey's leaning a little more tea-like, a little lighter on the body. Yep, yep, it is. When do you harvest, and then how long does it take to get over to the U.S.? Oh, man. Uh, Burundi is a, mon- <laughs> a, a monster to uh, to figure out exporting. We, we um, so it's, it's, okay, our first year... We harvested in, started in April, finished in July, and we did not export until March. That was pretty bad. That was bad. But we also didn't realize that you need 27 stamps and signatures from like 12 different offices, and we had no idea. All of that was waiting for us. Yep. So it takes weeks and weeks of paperwork to get permission to export your coffee from Burundi. There's not a central location. You have to find out. There's the best, the best was, and they've cha- changed this method slightly, but the best was you had to go to the Department of Fruits and Nuts, meet someone there who would then take you down, put you on a scooter, drive you to another part of town where a lady sat in an office with the stamp and then stamp your document. And then they would bring you back. It was... And there's another one where you have to get... It, you have to get this typed yep. only on one of two typewriters that are in the nation that can do this kind of work and are <laughs> have this kind of person who can do this kind of work. And you have to find that person at their desk, at the typewriter, and often they're not there or they've gotten pulled off to do something else. And so you ha- But you have to have it typed, typed by this specific typewriter. In, in, in quadruplicate. <laughs> in quadruplicate. So kind of the kind of things that make you want to just, your brain pull, explode. Pull just... your hair off. <laughs> so all that to say, all that to say, um, at this year might have been at our best where right now, um, like you can expect coffees to have ex- been exported from Burundi in September or October. 
and they'll be released in January, February. We've kind of come to the export part. So are you, you're working with people over here. Do you have like specific roasters that you work with in the United States? Yeah, most of our U.S. roasters are direct trade. So we, we work with most of our roasters directly where we talk with them, find out what they need, how much volume and send samples. They cup them and then we, um, we work with them to import the coffee for them and then break up a full container between maybe 10 to 25 different roasters. We'll share a container and we do the logistics to make sure that they get it and then get their coffee. Most importers will buy the coffee from a producer like Long Miles and then they will have, they will get some samples and then send around the samples, but really they sell spot coffee, which means the coffee lands, they get it in the warehouse, they pull out samples, send the samples to you know, your local roaster, and then they say, oh, I like this, I'll take five bags, and they take it out of the warehouse. What, what we're doing is we're sending the samples, sometimes while the coffee's still drying on the table or just coming off the tables to roasters and, and matching up a group of roasters that are going to take a full container. And then our importer acts as a service provider and just handles the logistics and importing it into the country and then it's a direct trade to the roaster. So they just, as soon as the coffee lands in New York or Oakland, they just put it, they palletize the coffee and ship it off to Minnesota or California or New York, wherever you are, uh, and your coffee. Uh, and so they, the importer acts as a service provider for us. How does, I guess, the, the weather impact the crops and the yields and the farmers and kind of the education going along with that as well. Well, coffee is, is as much as we'd like to just like pour it in the morning. It's actually, <laughs> it is an agricultural product. So if it doesn't rain when we need it to rain, we are going to have a bad harvest. And if it's a bad harvest, we just don't produce the volume. And if you don't produce the volume, you just, as a family, you just don't make the same income you would on the year. There's just nothing you can do about it. I mean, this year we've had extraordinarily good rains. And so we're expecting for the next crop that in 2018, we can already see on the trees that it's going to supersede the 2017 crop. And that's strictly because of the rain. And then taking it a step further, I would say one of the reasons why Burundi is arguably from Christy and I's perspective I'll throw you with me on that. The best, some of the best coffee in Africa and the world is because of um, kind of the difference between this amazing rainfall, the altitude in which we're growing coffee at. And so we're anywhere from 1,700 to 2,200 meters above sea level. And so then you've got, and we're close enough to the equator while you get this dramatic nighttime to daytime temperature range and that also affects our the flavor profile of our coffee and it creates this uh, really hard bean that aren't really big but full of flavor what are so when i'm talking about varietals with people and i but i just do it in the most the most simple way i can ever think of is saying just like wine because everybody understands wine um so I tell them like, hey, yeah, it's I mean it's a lot like wine. There's a you know, all these different varietals, they're all gonna taste different. What what would you, since you are the coffee expert here, what uh, 
what would be a way that you'd explain it? What's a, what's an understandable way of talking about varietal? I think, I mean, for us, because, you know, we've got one varietal, Bourbon, but we separate each of our micro lots by day and by hill. And when you're cupping, it could be all fully washed coffee from all nine different hills. And yet you've got these amazing flavor variations and really that it comes down to microclimate and that's why we separate and have traceable hills so that we get you know the 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 hill that I first tasted coffee from was a hill called Monina Hill and it's kind of the reason why we built our bouquet washing station where it is we could draw coffee from Monina Hill and that's going to have blackberry you know, deep blackberry fruit notes in the coffee. Whereas the next hill over that we actually built the washing station on is Gaharo Hill. And this is stone fruit. You're just getting, you're getting pear, you're getting, you're getting, you're getting all these stone fruits right from the next hill over. And the only reason I can really explain that is really is microclimate per hill, which is very similar to what you're getting with wine. That's crazy. So just just the next, not even like a huge change in elevation. It's just you move it over a mile, and it's that different. It is. It is absolutely. And we visited wine farms where it, the grapes that are placed a certain direction versus ones that are placed the other direction are producing totally different bottles of wine and I think it's a similar we we right away we're like uh-huh we get it because this, this is this, <laughs> this is, is it. the same thing yeah so it is really similar so it's it's actually fun now because Burundi's traditionally been a commodity market where you're just dumping all your cherries ripe unripe together and just producing Folgers why would you want Folgers well. when when you could yeah. <laughs> when when you could have a like one cup to the next that's that can really just change your whole perception of flavor. I mean, we're we're talking florals in one cup to to sticky sweet candy-like coffee in the next and it's all Burundi and all from the same washing station. Wow, that's incredible. Um so for you what what's the most what do, you, what do you get most excited about tasting? And, and do you, I would assume you mostly drink the coffee you guys are producing. So what, what do you get most excited about tasting? Pretty much only. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I would assume so. Well, it's right there. It's guys. right. I, I don't know if I could afford my coffee habit in America because I, I, do, <laughs> I do drink. As we've been talking, I just drank a, a, a Hario pour over of Gaharo Hill. So it's, it was a. Uh, really tasty it's gone now so i was thinking i gotta duck out and make another pot but we we have roasters who visit us and they come and they visit the hill where they're buying coffee from they cup and i really get excited when they bring coffee and we'll often just put coffees on our cupping table and we'll cup some costa ricans or some kenyans or ethiopians and we'll put them with our coffees i get excited about that because we drink so much burundi coffee that we it's kind of a game to put our coffees on the table and just try to figure out which hill they're coming from and because we that's the only kind of coffee we get so now i imagine it's kind of like 
lining up uh, Bordeaux all from Bordeaux and saying this is from this estate, that's from that estate. That's what we're doing with our Burundis from Long Miles. So I love it when I do get to try their coffees. And I actually, one of my favorite non-Burundis, I, I have to be honest, I do love Pacamara from Honduras. There's a, there's a guy, Benjamin, Benjamin Paz, who grows, who's a producer there, and he has some amazing coffees. I don't know if you've ever tried any of his coffees. but We will now. Yeah, now you should. And if you can get one of his Pacamaras, oh my gosh, change. I was very jealous. I said I didn't want to talk to him again ever because it, it was just too beautiful. <laughs> what do you do? You guys, you guys roast on just like a sample roaster or do you? Yeah, we use Ikawa. I don't know if you've heard of the Ikawa roaster. I, I haven't, but... We were going. We're going to look it up. I would think. I think, for specialty coffee, this is probably, probably the single most important innovation for specialty coffee in the last couple of years is the Akawa roaster. Um, and essentially, you can profile roast your sample roasts and then send that sample profile to roasters, and you can match that to your um, production roast even if you want to. So. And it's, wow. so it's a, it's a very small device uh, made, made in the UK. And the interesting thing is the founder of the company, Andrew, actually his parents um, had spent a number of years in Burundi and he had spent a number of years in Burundi and coffee in Burundi is called Ikawa. So that's the name for the roaster. It comes from Burundi actually. So there's a little bit of connection there too, but just in the industry as a whole, I think this sample roaster is is really helping us define what flavor profiles are different and how to make sure we're doing very uniform cupping we live we live near uh it's called bodhi leaf i don't know if bodhi leaf coffee traders yeah um, I, yeah i know bodhi leaf they're great so we've got a burundi it says it's a it's from kai kayanza <laughs> yep <laughs> I don't, yeah sorry and it's a honey process. Is that is that anywhere near you guys? Yeah, our Hazel washing station is in Kayanza. So Kayanza, oh, okay. Kayanza is a province. So it'd be like one of our. It's it's like California. Oh, okay, okay. So that's a province, and then it's a honey process. So I'm assuming it's from Bohirogo Hindwa or C or CPC company. That. Or it's from Grenko. It would be one of those two because it wouldn't be from us probably. Oftentimes, you know, like Kayanza is, it's got about maybe 30 or 40 different washing stations in the province. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah, it is. <laughs> is that is that a lot? That is. is. That, that's a lot. Yeah. It's the most. I was going to say, that sounds like a lot, but I don't know anything no, it about is, it, it is. so I should ask it's, you. It's the, <laughs> most in the, it's the most in the country, and that's because the best coffee in Burundi comes from Kayanza. Oh, okay, Is it okay. the for the weather and everything yeah, is just the, the best in that, as well. that region? Yeah, the weather and uh, proximity to the Kibera rainforest. It's also the place less likely, least likely to be affected by climate change as is we're already seeing some of those shifts on the ground here in in our in one of the regions we work in, but it seems Kayanza so far is fairly stable. It's got the rainforest, lots of great stuff going on. Yeah, GI 
GIZ, it's a German NGO, did a climate change report on Burundi. And essentially, they, they came up with by 2030, something like 40% of the growing coffee growing region in Burundi will no longer be viable for coffee. Some of the only unaffected area is one of the one of the few unaffected areas is Kayanza, and that's where we have that's I would where say we grow least affected least because yeah. aff- it, it still will affect it, it. It will, yeah, yeah. Which is why we're very like passionate about soil health, which seems like a funny thing to be passionate about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> trees and soil health. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love those trees and that uh, and that soil if you want the good cherries, right? Exactly. exactly. That's how you and get if the we good want stuff. farmers to have a livelihood moving forward, yeah. We're yeah. we're actually we're starting this year. We're really. We're leaning into this, and instead of just having, um, just planting our nurseries full of indigenous shade trees, this year we said we got to take it further, and so we're we're creating a whole program about regenerating the Kabira forest. And so this year at SCA, we're going to be sharing a little bit more about that with our roaster partners um, at the at the conference, and we're getting some really exciting partnerships with some environmental organizations that. Are to be named, but uh, they're we're we're hoping they come on board by April and to really promote the regeneration of the forests in Burundi. What's the best thing about the coffee industry right now, in, in your guys' opinion, Christy? <laughs> I feel like it's that that they're embracing producers and single origins, and that they that people are thinking beyond just. When they drink coffee, they're beginning to think beyond just drinking that coffee and who is producing it and being impacted by it and where did it grow and they're asking questions and and wanting answers and I think that's a really beautiful thing. Yeah, and the more the more education, the more that we all understand it and really I one of the most interesting things just in this generation is the the concern for, you know, how, how is my decision impacting others? Mm. And so just that, that simple understanding has definitely made a difference for myself and my own life and the clothes that I buy and like all, all that kind of stuff. That would be like a, a personal decision of, I want to make sure that I'm having the, the least negative impact and the most positive impact at the same time. So seeing that in the coffee industry is pretty exciting. It is very exciting. Our friends at Department of Brewology, just kind of some of their leaning towards, you know, filter coffee, not people. And just exactly what you're saying is that when you make a choice, and this, and I think the specialty coffee industry really does this, it, it allows you to vote with which coffee you purchase on, do you know where your coffee's coming from? Is it, one, is it tasty? Because if it's not tasty, you, you probably shouldn't have bought it just because it's got a stamp on it. But is it taste good and is it affecting change? Do you know, and how do you know that? And I think the specialty coffee industry is really doing that. And not just for producers, but I think for gender equality and race and, and just, just essentially just stripping away your ability to say, well, I don't know. And say, well, actually you can know and you can make a difference by your purchase. What is... Your go-to recipe, you said you had you were using your uh, V60 to make some coffee. What's your go-to recipe? What's the, 
water temperature? What's your ratio? What are you, what are you doing? Oh, you mean for coffee? Because I was going to say pulled pork, but because yeah. pulled pork is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> the pulled pork is, I can give you that recipe. Or actually your ribs. Oh, with some, man. With some oh. pork right from... Uh, right from around Bouquet area. Yeah, they grow pigs right there. Oh, but you mean coffee. <laughs> anyway, clearly we're not vegetarians. No, we're not. You know, to be honest, I am drinking a V60 only because I ran out of Kalita Wave filters. <laughs> so that's that's one of the real joys of being in Burundi when you, you don't go out and buy new filters. Or Amazon Prime does not deliver next <laughs> next day. Where where is there there are places like that? Amazon oh, doesn't deliver. Word. Yeah, there we are. we haven't found. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My go to is I like to be honest a Kalita Wave at seventeen to one ratio. I don't have. I'm not your best barista. So for what I try to do is I try to. I you know I've got a I got my fancy scale that measures up my grams and I try to get my I try to do a about you know I'll do about 30, 30 grams of coffee to four hundred grams of water and I try to hit that in just over three minutes and fifteen seconds so I guess I am a little a geeky enough that I know what I like <laughs> haven't gotten my my water temperature I just kind of got down to a rhythm of boil the kettle pour it into the whatever spout thing coffee water pitcher thing man that just shows i'm not your barista but for me it just i realize we, we've had some interns with us that all of a sudden they'll make coffee and i'm like why does our coffee taste so much better and I realize, oh they really care about the brewing method and so then i started to have to really care and so now whenever we travel I'm, i've got my digital scale and my grinders and my special kettle to make sure that i'm pouring correctly and I, I guess I've become my own um, geek. I basically just like whatever Ben brings me in the morning. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Some days, it's uh, most days, I just love the uh, kind of the morning ritual of making it and trying something different, adjusting the water temperature or just the ratio a little bit or the grind size a little bit. And uh, some days... I just really wish somebody else would make my coffee for me. <laughs> Doesn't it taste better when someone else makes it? It really, I really appreciate it. I, Thank I you. love it. When you're out of town, it's like the thing that suffers. I, oh, it's not good. It's not good in the morning. Got to train Miles how to make coffee. Me too. So what, is, what are you guys drinking right now? What is your coffee? I've got, I've actually got an Ethiopia that I'm drinking right now. We, we drink we drink a tremendous amount of coffee. It's it's kind of us and we've got a group of friends and so it's got probably about six people. And so Sundays after we, we do our church and stuff in the morning and then we'll we'll all sit around drinking each other's coffee for hours. And uh, that's just kind of our Sunday thing. So we, we drink a lot of coffee. I guess we've got to start wrapping things up. What what what's it like having can you tell us like as far as living there kind of the culture shock from going from the US over there and then having kids like what what is all that like <laughs> it's a roller coaster i mean i love asking like the biggest questions <laughs> possible just, that you know like wow i need 6 hours to answer this and yeah. you want me to answer you, it you were you were just seconds. like let's wrap up and, and as an introvert i need like a day to think about it first and then a couple of hours in. <laughs> No, it's 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 been a, an amazing journey so far. We're seven years into living in Burundi, and 
It's been our hardest years as a family, as a business. Well, it's been our our first business. Launching Long Miles really has been. Um, and so it's been really tough and really, really beautiful and really great. We have an amazing community here that really supports us and um, just is our in-place family, you know. So that's been really a great thing to have people like that who just will walk with you. I don't think we could do it without those people. And so that's been sort of our sustaining force. We can't do it without community. I don't think we would have survived um, these seven years no. without community. So there are some amazing families here that are doing the same, you know, doing their own thing, but that we really can just um, connect with. So that's been great. And I think that transitions right over to long miles too. I mean, we talk about our family being here and doing it, but we couldn't do long miles without team. And so there's a tremendous amount of just support that doing this as a team can, can bring. And there's just been, there's been a lot of challenges. I think in 2015, there was a coup d'etat and we were actually pregnant with our now two year old and we we ended up having to fly Christy back to South Africa to have the um, to have Ari, our baby, and just seeing community and our team connect and rise up and just pull through and despite all the challenges, be able to still we still produce coffee and we still produced a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Christy said at the beginning, but. Long Miles was, was co- built on coffee people potential. And, and I think that we kind of captured that in what we've done with the team so far. And hopefully that comes out through this conversation. Is It's about all those things. It's not about the Carlsons, and it's not about just about specialty coffee. It's about the people that create it and the potential that is still to come. That is a great ending what um that was a very good ending what is what's the best what's the best way for people listening to this they want to connect with you they love the story or they want to you know try buying some green um what's what's their best way to get in contact with you i think instagram right now is our it's we can't um we don't have capacity to to check many socials but um, both internet and, and time-wise, but we, we try and keep our Instagram going. So we are checking that as much as we can, and we're available there. Or email, but yeah. So Long Miles Coffee. Instagram, Long Miles Coffee. And then email, longmilescoffee.com. For Ben, um, if you're interested in green, it's, it's ben at longmilescoffee.com, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for talking to us. It's been a real pleasure and really cool uh, hearing about your mission and, and what's going on over there. Thanks. Well, Thanks for taking the someday. time, guys. Yeah. Yeah, someday we're going we're gonna to make it over there. We'll meet you face-to-face. We'll do a follow-up episode or uh, take a video or something because we like making videos too. But... Yeah. Oh, the rest of the story with uh, Eric and Philip. like it. Thank you so much for listening to the episode of Specialty Coffee Talk with Long Miles Coffee. Eric is making a cup of coffee in the background. Yes. Um, you may be able to smell it. Just kidding. 
uh, <laughs> it has been uh, and it, it was really enjoyable to be able to talk to them Eric any thoughts uh, yeah Ben Christy thank you so much for for talking to us that was an amazing conversation and it's just so fun to to learn about these just what's going on over there we have we have no idea we we see coffee roasted and it says Burundi on it and that's all that we understand and so understanding more the varietals and the farming and all the work that goes into it and the work you guys are investing into that community to to help all the people over there that's that's amazing so all right thank you so much for listening until next time my friends grab a cup cup of coffee take a sip and smile and you'll hear us next time with another conversation